I asked my wife what she thought about the title of tonight's message. She said, I think it's a little hard. I said, perfect. Stop being lazy. That's the title of the message tonight. Can't hardly wait to preach it to you. Everybody say it. Stop being lazy. All right. Awesome. You're going to feel the warm fuzzies all over. Here we go. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Go to verse 6. New King James. We'll read through verse 15. But we command you, brethren. That means brethren and sistren. We command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to, how, pardon me, you yourselves know how you, can I have these lights up, please? Hell, me out. Gee, I'm going to get some glasses. You're going to make me look like an old man. But I won't feel like one. All right, thanks. These ones. I love you. You guys are awesome. Fantastic. Where are we? For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with, they did what? But worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example. To make ourselves what? An example of how you should follow us. Verse 10. For even when we were with you, we, command you we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. No way. Imagine if they had Facebook. They'd have the same problems. We have verse 12. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Verse 13, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this letter or epistle, note that person, my goodness, and do not keep company with them, that they may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. We might as well finish it. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul in my own hand, which is a sign in every epistle so I write, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless the reading of your word and the teaching of it now. I pray that you would give us living understanding that we would never be the same because of what would happen in the preaching tonight. Your word as it goes forth does not return void, but accomplishes everything that you would have it to accomplish. Amen. You may be seated. I was going to say get a job, but instead I said stop being lazy. Stop being lazy. I'll never forget many years ago, Pastor, Pastor Vince might remember. It's a long time ago, and I won't tell you where, but it wasn't here. 
And it was one of our first graduates that had came out of our school of ministry. And, and as I was introducing the young man to the church, I, I'll never forget it. It was just marked my soul. He was standing here, and he was weeping. And I said, do you want to say anything? And I handed him the mic. And he said, I just want to say that I'm not going to be lazy. I was like, you're darn right. Amen. <laughs> That's what I'm saying to myself. He says to the congregation, I'm not going to be lazy. I thought, okay. He says, I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not going to be. He screams out, I'm not going to be. I'm like, man, I think you might have a problem with lazy. You know, people like lay hands on him. It was, it was shocking. You bring on an intern, and that's the first thing you're yelling at you. I'm not going to be lazy. It was a terrifying experience as a pastor. as one of my first staff people. And I thought, Jesus, help us. You're darn right you're not going to be lazy, because I'll light your tail on fire, and we'll get you healed. Amen. <laughs> work is a gift from God. Amen. Everybody say, work is a gift from God. Listen, all of the, all take notes. Get the notes. Write it down. Get your little kids to pay attention. It'll help them. All right, they're playing with Legos, wonderful Tinker Toys, fantastic. You know, just try to focus a little bit because it's going to help you. Work is a gift from God. Everybody say, get a job. Amen. Some of the mistaken idea that work is something like a part of the fall. Work is not a part of the fall. It's a gift. Genesis 2 and verse 5 says this. No shrub had yet appeared in the earth, no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain in the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. This is before the fall. And so man had a job. I'm going to tell you, you need to, get, you need to get a job. You need to have a job. As a man, you need to learn to work. As a woman, you need to learn to work. All of us have within us a, a spiritual DNA from our Creator to actually serve and do something. And if you don't, then your life begins to spiral down and it can really become demonic. It really can. Six days you're to work and then the rest. I know some people, they, uh, they work for seven. That's a violation, I believe. Some of, you, some, of you, some of you are sick because you work seven days a week. You say, well, the Sabbath is on Sunday. The Sabbath rest should be every day. You should rest in Jesus. But in one and seven, I don't think it has to be on Sunday, but it's on Sunday because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, and we've talked about that many, many times before. I think you can work on Sunday, but you better have at least one day off, and it's wonderful that one day should be where you're being recharged by God and refreshed by the Lord and getting into the Word. Can you say amen? It seems that the church here, the Apostle Paul, once again, when you read the epistles, when you read the letters, it's a one-way conversation. It's the Apostle Paul answering some of the reports that he's gotten. So when he's writing about them not working and being lazy here, it's obviously an indication that there's, there's a problem. And he's, he's saying basically that there's false ideas about the Lord's second coming. I've, I, in my brief walk of 20 plus years with the Lord, I've, heard, I've seen this before. I've seen people that said, no, I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't need insurance. And uh, I, don't, I don't need it. I'm not going to work because he's coming back. And I'm going to be ready. Get a job. Listen, you live like he's coming back any second. 
You plan like he's not coming back in your lifetime. And you work, you're, you be diligent, you serve, right? But there was those that lied that there's these false ideas that the, the second coming, you know, had already taken place. Or, you know, and, and so they stopped working, it seems. We don't know exactly what's going on, but we do know there's a group of people that were living off of everybody else. That's what he's saying. There's a group of people that were resting on the hard work of others and not toting the bail. Not, come on, I, does anybody, anybody know what it's like to be a part of a team where you have somebody that didn't pull their weight? I, I told you, I, I played sports. Wrestling and lacrosse are my best sports, but it was in lacrosse. Uh, that's a North American, Native American game. And it's kind of like high lie, but a little different. And my father grew up playing on Long Island, which is like one of the hot spots for that in the East Coast. It's not really over on the West, and I, and there is a few clubs here in Alaska. I got a stick in my hand when I was three. So, I mean, everybody slept with my stick. You played right, you played left. I mean, all we thought about at different times of my life was playing this game and seeing how good I could get, seeing how fast I could get my shot, and, and on and on and on. And I went to a private boarding school, and at the private boarding school, our coach, I hated him, but I, and he ended up being the coach that I loved the most. How many of you know, you know why? You know why? Because the guy got out of us championship games. He knew we had it in us, but he coached us. It was so hard. We used to, we used to run these things called cornfields till you couldn't run anymore. And you were falling over. Some would call it abuse. He called it training. I mean... I remember those times as a kid running in high school and as a freshman and sophomore and a junior and a senior. I played all, played varsity all those years. And as I would run, I'd just be like thinking of quitting. Thinking of like, I'm just going to fake a hamstring. No, you're not. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like running it so hard. You're like, I, I, could, just, I could just fake I'm hurt. That'd be lying. Keep going. You know, I'm just going to like keep going. Try to finish. And there'd be times when he said, we're not stopping till everyone's dropped and you can't run anymore. And, you know, maybe it was abuse. I don't know. It might have pushed us a little bit hard. However, we won every stinking championship there was. There, wasn't a, there was teams that could outplay us, but we'd run them straight into the ground. We, they we might have had more skills, but we, we, in the fourth quarter, we would just hit you and beat you into the ground, and that would be it because we were so in such incredible physical shape. And it was amazing. And there was always on a team like that they're usually not on for long. The guy's name was Peter. I won't tell you the last name, but his name was Peter, and he was so gifted. He was so amazing. He was a goalie. And he was, I mean, he was, he was, he was so fast. He was so, he could run fast. His reaction time, his eye-hand coordination, he had more talent than half the team. However, the kid was lazy. And he would constantly come in last. And if he, if he would, our coach would say, well, if Peter doesn't get into the middle of the pack, y'all going to run until the sun goes down. And so people would be like punching him, slapping him, get working. The apostle Paul deals with this in this letter. And it's fascinating how he does it. It's fascinating. The apostle Paul gives a twofold work of God's word, first of all. The first thing, it's, it's work in evangelism. Work in evangelism. Our task is to evangelize the entire state, the entire nation. Our task is to disciple nations. That's what our task is. It's not just Wasilla. It's not Wasilla and Palmer. 
oh, then we're going to expand Wasilla Palmer and, and Big Lake. No, it's not. It, it, it's, it's, it's nations. Think nations. Can we change the world from Wasilla? The answer is yes, but it's going to require a team, and God is assembling that team. And it's about evangelism, yep, and, and, and to be obeyed or honored. You see that in 2 Thessalonians 3, 4. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 11, let me read this to you. Aspire to leave a quiet life, a quiet life, to attend to your own business, to work with your hands as we command you in this way, to live a decent life before others and not be in need. You know, literally, the spirit of the Antichrist was working in the church just like the spirit of the Antichrist is working in the church today. Don't kid yourself. There's a dumbing down of our society. Get everybody smoking pot, stupid and lazy, and, and know nothing about anything. Rewrite our history. That, that, that's not what we're going to do. I'm, I'm going to tell you, God wants you to be diligent in everything you're doing in evangelism and obeying his word. Can you say amen? The apostle Paul here walks in tremendous authority, which to me is... I mean, I, there's very few times I've spoken to people the way that he speaks to the church. There have been a few when it was really needed. But, but I'm going to come to you with, with pretty strong authority tonight. Because some of you are undermining God's plan for your life. And, and you're hurting yourself. And truth be told, you might even be hurting the church. And so I, I'm just going to speak to you that, that you need to be diligent. You need to be diligent about every area of your life. And the Apostle Paul, he, he walks in great authority. He asserts his authority only because there were those who, who came after him that encouraged him to stop, to stop doing it. So he's telling him, you know, this is what you do, serve like this. And others would come and say, no, you don't need that. Jesus is coming back, you don't need to work. The Apostle Paul uses the words like command. We command you. Come on, you can imagine your pastor getting up in your face and telling you, I command you. That's pretty strong. I don't do that. And really, too often, I have on occasion. And uh, you know, I had an amazing thing happen today. I was so blessed. There is, uh, there's a man who's missionary. I've known him a long time. And I've seen him in our church services recently uh, more often. And I don't know if they're out of the country, in the country, out of the country. Don't, I don't know. Anyway, I've seen him pretty regularly now for a couple weeks, maybe a few weeks. And so I said, you know, I see you, I see you pretty regularly. And he said, well, sure, we're coming to church. I thought, well, praise God you're coming to church. I said, uh, are we your church? He said, well, yeah. I said, wait, 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 wait. So this is your church? He said, yes. I said, so then I'm your pastor. He said, you're my pastor. And I thought, oh, Wow. You see, that's different than just somebody that comes in and goes out and visits around. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm all, for, I'm all for getting touched and going to special meetings, but you better find a place where you serve and you, and you get to know one another. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you something. If it's not like that, I take being a pastor, my team takes being a pastor very seriously because I'll be held accountable for how it goes with you. So when I found out this great man of God is, a, is, is now a part of our church and I'm his pastor, one thing, I was just totally humbled. And then the next thing I realized, man, I'm praying, I want to pray over you right now. And I began to pray over him, the canopy of covering and anointing. And really what he's saying is, I'm a part of this thing. I'm a part of the vision. I, I, I believe in you. I'm putting myself underneath your authority to serve. And, and, and really, it's, I knew what he was saying because he's a theologian in his own right. And he's given me rights, basically, then, to speak to him like a father, even though he could be mine. 
Many people don't learn to submit to authority, but the Apostle Paul is writing, and he used words like command and obey and rule a number of times, five times. I command you. I command you. I mean, you read this, you'd be like, well, that's pretty controlling. Verse 4 in the NIV. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do things we command. Verse 6 in the NIV. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who's idle and disruptive and does not, do, does not live according to the teaching you have received. See, when we see that in the scripture, so then me as your pastor, it, it would be right for me to say, I command you to stay away from people that are disorderly, those who are lazy, those who don't work, and those who bring disruption. Amen. Listen, that's a good thing. Amen. You would say, whoa, that's kind of intense. Yeah. Why would he be so intense about it? Because it brings death. Listen, the devil is the one that breeds laziness and disorderliness and our fallen human nature. I had somebody say, you know what? We just want to be like the first century church. Just let the Holy Spirit just, can you just let the Holy Spirit? There's structure and order in services because of a fallen human nature. So we will let the, we'll let that happen decently and in order. And I do believe in a holy chaos too. In other words, there's times when he just shows up, we just, just let him come. But there's other times where a word like this is absolutely the will of God to help you, to help your kids, to help your babies, to, to say get a job, quit being lazy, and start serving with everything that have within you. My God, he goes on. We command you. We order you. Verse 10. For even if we were with we, we gave you this rule, the one who's not, who is unwilling to work shall not eat. So we're not talking about somebody who's handicapped. Not talking about somebody who's sick. Not talking about somebody who uh, maybe they've been maimed or wounded or they're recovering from something. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone who can get a job and doesn't get a job. He's commanding them to, to work. He's commanding them to get a job. Verse 14, take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them. Wait, what? He's talking about a church and relationship with believers that you should not associate with somebody who's not willing to get a job. And can, and can get one. Sure is quiet in this Methodist church tonight. Praise the Lord. I'm like, here we are. Many years ago, we had somebody, a part of our church, and they would not get a work, they wouldn't get a job. They straight wouldn't get a job. They could get a job. In fact, they had, they had a college degree in engineering or something. There was jobs available. And was constantly hitting up people in the church to get money from them to support them and their intercessory call. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they're like, no, I'm called to stay home and pray. And I want you to, I heard this, and I want you to take an, can you take an offering for me so I can just stay home and, no. Get a job. And, and learn to live a life of order and service and diligence and obedience. And, and it came down to, it came down to stop being a holy freeloader, a holy hobo. 
and hiding behind the, 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 you know, spirituality to keep from getting to work. Work is holy. Work is righteous. Work is good. Aren't you guys, the warm fuzzies are hitting you right about now, right? You'd be like, oh, yeah, uh, pre preach it. And the words command and obey are used in military circles. Some of you in the military, raise your hand. Have you been in the military? Hoorah. Semper Fi to the Marines. Command and obey are military terms. They're also terms that, that we'd use in my house as we raised our children. I don't use them too often now because my kids are learning to command themselves and have mostly learned that. But there are times where I'll put my foot down and say, we're doing this. That's it. That's how he's speaking to them. Paul, in fact, is not just speaking his own ideas. He's speaking God's word. He's speaking. And it is is it not amazing? Is it not amazing that he says, don't even have anything to do with somebody who doesn't work, is not diligent, doesn't obey the command to get a job. Some of you are looking at me like I'm like I'm crazy. I'm just I'm just preaching and teaching the word here. That's all. Apostle Paul was speaking God's word and it has the authority of God behind it. So it's not even your, it's not even the opinion of a father or mother that commands it. It's God's word that says it. So it has God's authority behind it. Yeah, this is semi-offensive to a, to a smooth-kneed Facebook, Twittering world that wants everybody else to get to work and then tax them so heavy that that they, you know, they get everything for free. It's not a scriptural thing. In Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to their own authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work may be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So the Apostle Paul is being powerfully used to bring correction to the church. And it is my hope as I come to you in this pastoral evening of leadership, training and instruction that you would heed the command of God's word to be diligent and to work hard and don't let laziness get into you don't don't do it don't do it all right look at the text problem is seen it's laziness idleness it's disobedience to the teaching they received from Paul so Paul's clearly telling him look I taught all of you this already and I modeled it for you. So what are you, who's talking to you? Who's telling you something different? And he's telling me, look, this is a problem. So you got to fix it. All right? And Paul had lived out what he taught. He wasn't lazy, verse 7. He paid for his own food, verse 8. He worked night and day, also verse 8. He was not a burden. Not a what? A burden. He was not a burden to others or anyone. He had the right to be supported by them, but he chose... Not to use that right so he could be a model for them. Yeah, we whipped through those pretty quick. He was not lazy. He paid for his own food. He worked night and day. You know, I was talking to um, a, a pastor recently. And when he started this church, now he pastors a mega church in the lower 48. I mean, it's thousands of people. And we were talking about the struggle of some other pastor that we knew, and, and he, just, he just sits back and he, he just starts shaking his head. He said, I don't get it. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, let me tell you what it was like when I started my church. 
He said, I had a burden. God, God pierced us through to reach the lost. We didn't know anything about it. We had no training from anybody. We just were able to get our licensing and quickly go through that, and they just got into the ministry. I was, I was in the ministry as a youth guy, and my senior pastor taught me nothing. He never said anything to me. He never told me I did a good job. But I was moved by the Lord. This is his story. I was moved by the Lord, and, you know, we just did as much as we could. and just tried to reach people and love people and pray. And, and you know, God just helped us. It was just a grace because there wasn't a bunch of mentoring. We're into mentoring. That's a big key word now, mentoring and training people, and we should be right? But he didn't get anything like that. And then, and then when he started really being used by God, the senior pastor was threatened, so he fired him. This is his story. So he's fired, but he got his license, and he started, he's like, I'm just going to take, he took some church down some gravel road deep in Kentucky somewhere, and it was like shut down, and they didn't have anything. So they pried the boards off, and he knew something about construction and started redoing the building and started having services. He worked in a coal mine all night long. All night long he worked in a coal mine. And then on Wednesday, on Wednesday he got a shift change. Oh no, he would able to have Wednesday night service and then go to the coal mine. And he did that every day. And then he would study during the day when he could and then he would go to the coal mine at night. And then in church service he'd have church all day Sunday and go to the coal mine and he did it Year in, year out, and God gave him hundreds of people began to fill that country church, and he was so diligent. You know, many of you have dreams and hopes. Discipline and hard work will bridge from where you are right now to actually getting it done. And if you don't learn to be disciplined and work hard, you ain't going to get your dreams and hopes coming about. You can rub your hands together or count beads on a rosary if you want, you can pray in tongues until the cows come home. If you don't get the lazy out and get, get a diligence and, and a submission to authority and work hard, you will never see your dream come about. There's character has to be built in this day. There's a whole generation that doesn't know anything about hard work. I was so blessed. I was in the lobby this afternoon after one of our 15 services. And, and I was listening to a mom said, oh, yeah, we're doing wood today. Dad's back. We're doing wood. We're going out, doing wood. Everybody's doing wood. We're going to do three chords today this afternoon. I just thought, ooh, ooh, three chords of wood. Does anybody know what that's like? You know, chopping wood will set you free. There's just something about putting up cords of wood. It is the greatest training for a young man and a young woman that I know. It's just to put it orderly, stack it right, split it right, right size. You just got to be careful nobody loses a finger or anything. You know what I'm talking about? I remember my son and my daughter putting up wood. We were talking about it during this, this last hitch home from university. She's like, oh, I remember that. I, rem I remember putting up wood. You made us put wood up, and the headlights of the car was right there on the pile, and we had to put every last piece. I'm like, that's right. <laughs> you know what it puts in them, we hope, right? We put What puts it in them is a work ethic. And, you know, masculinity is imparted. I'm off my notes right now. And if you're a single mom, may God give you strength and anointing to help you. But you need to get your little boy and, and even get your girls in a place where they can be imparted to by a man of God. I mean that in the best of way. Little boys need men to, to, to model. And you say, well, there is no man of God. There's tons of them here. Hardworking, diligent. Come on, some of you have dreams. It's, it's a pipe dream if you don't work hard. You know what a pipe dream is? Just like, oh, I wish one day. 
Yeah, one day. Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. Come on, Pastor Kirsten. <laughs> the bridge between where you are right now listen to me listen I'm off the notes but it's worth writing down the bridge between where you are right now and fulfilling your dreams and doing something great for God is called discipline and hard work and the grace of God you got to pray he's got come on you can work hard and go nowhere you can throw the net to the other side every single night until Jesus says throw your net on the other side and then you get a harvest so you can work hard without God and not get far so there's working hard but working hard with God co-laboring with him brings miracles so he gave them this rule you don't work you don't eat and their idleness their laziness had made them into busybodies. it's not it's not in scripture but I think it is scriptural the devil will find work for idle hands to do. It's a scriptural understanding. Paul's speaking to the idle, commands them to settle down and get to work. Don't go from pillar to post. He speaks to the rest of the church never to tire of doing what's right or doing good. And he tells them how to discipline the idle, discipline the lazy. I mean, how sad it would be if somebody's house is on fire and people never warned them. We had a dear family in the church and on, uh, you know, New Year's, they had fireworks and stuff, and somehow the, the fireworks pile, they sweeped it up, put it together, and, you know, put it in the trash can next to the garage, as I understand it. And the thing rekindled, refired, set the outside of the house on fire while there's 20 people on the inside having a wonderful New Year's Eve dinner and just, you know, hanging out and drinking soda and chilling. And somebody came pounding on their door. I mean, everything, you know, pounding and yelling, your house is on fire! Your house is on fire. They went out and like, the house is on fire. The whole third part of the garage, is it's all up in the eve, all up in the attic. And he's, here's what he said to me. He gets in the attic, it's over. Isn't that right, Wally? I mean, pretty much. You guys been through. He said, I, he said, I can't underestimate the importance of fire extinguishers. I had seven, and we used every one of them before the fire department got there, and thank God they got it out because he would have lost his whole house. Wow. It's important to lovingly confront those who don't work and are lazy or honestly, in any other area of sin, you who are spiritual should restore such a one. In other words, it needs to be done in the right way. But if somebody's house is burning down, love them enough to knock on the door and say, listen, I just wanted to tell you, you need to get a job because I've noticed you can and you're like, you know, can I try to help you get a job? I mean, help them. And, you know, believe to help them. I've noticed that you're shacked up with your girlfriend and your boyfriend. Well, let's get back in the notes. <laughs> Tells them how to discipline them. He says, to, and here's how to discipline them. Keep away from them. And that, 
Bad company corrupts good character. Are you telling me that if somebody who's lazy or not diligent, I should keep away from? Well, it's what the text says. And I, I think we need to be careful to not be all legalistic about that. So you'll be like, well, I didn't see you pick up that piece of trash and you walk by, so I'm disfellowshipping you. You're out? Okay, brother Pharisee. You perfect one. Oh, holy one. Thrower of the, of the first stone. You who commit no wrongs. Yeah. It does say take special note of him. Listen, you might find this offensive, but welcome to Kings. I pick my kids' friends. I don't pick them so much now. It's my, my sincere hope that, that they have learned to do that right, and we're standing alongside watching and, and helping if necessary, but that's how that works. You're, when your kids are younger, you pick their friends. I remember my mama saying to me, man, I had to be, I don't know, it's like first or second grade. And she says, I don't want you spending time with that boy. Do you hear me? I said, but mom, he's my friend. No, you don't spend time with him. Well, I disobeyed. And so I said I was going to, you know, going over somebody's house, and, and I didn't. You know, it's a, it's a time in our nation where you could ride your bike all over your neighborhood and not, you don't have to worry so much about perverts and stuff. So, you know, I just went rode my bike over there. And I went to the friend's house that I wasn't supposed to go to instead of, and they didn't have cell phones and GPS units back then. <laughs> and, uh, and so I went to the other friend's house. Well, the other friend, who my mama told me not to spend time with, discovered a pair of matches, set of matches. And he's like, let's go light some matches. I'm like, cool. Yeah, so we went to the school. And started lighting stone on fire. It was just down the street, you know. And nothing really happened. And I didn't tell my mom. But I started hanging out more with this kid. And I'll never forget, man, it was, we go to school again. Now we're at school, and it's recess time. And he's like, hey, Danny, how you doing? I'm like, oh, good. He's like, I got some matches. I'm like, mm, cool. <laughs> so we headed off, and, he's, and we, go to the, we go to the corner where the fence is, and, and there we're standing there, and nobody's looking at us. Everybody's praying in a little jungle gym and seesaw and stuff. And he's like, psh, 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 throws a match. It goes into dry, dry grass. It just goes, <laughs> and we're like, ah. And it's on the other side of the fence. It's not like, you're not going to put it out. You know what I mean? And it just goes, and we're like, oh, and we just ran away. We ran away, and it dawned on me, we never got caught. Come on, Jesus. It dawned on me that I would, you know, bad company corrupts good Character, I wouldn't have been lighting fields on fire because my mama wouldn't let me have matches because they were up high where I couldn't find them, you understand? It's so important who you spend time with and who you, this is a family night. You got kids here. You say, are you telling me I shouldn't let my kids hang with, with, with unruly kids? If you want to develop unruly little hooligans, go ahead and let them hang with them. There, I can just almost feel my wife rebuking me right now. She's not here, so let's just move on. Hallelujah. No, 
We need to, I, I didn't know anything about training. I didn't know anything about being a father until I learned and I, I watched it modeled in the church. And, and, and I'm still learning and growing. Hallelujah. But it's so important to bring instruction. And it's so important that you don't be a helicopter parent and let your kid just end up being an introvert who can't interact with anybody in the culture, can't interact or spend time with anybody who's going to. I mean, you, my kids hear curses on a regular basis. Yeah. They're in the world, going to school. There's people that are not saved. I mean, they, they, got, they got bucket mouths. Can you imagine if we just didn't help them process all of that? We're making kids that can make a difference, leaders in, in the community and in the nation. Can you say amen? And they need to learn to work and need to do the right thing. But, but it's important to take special note of, of ones that are troublemakers, man. If you're a troublemaker here, all right, let me put it. If you have a demon of laziness tonight, I'm just kidding. Let's go back into the notes. Okay. Don't associate with them so that they will repent. I've seen this so legalistically put into people's lives, and I certainly don't want that to happen. It's this kindness that leads us to repentance, and we need to love each other, but love also corrects and, and, and instructs. And it's good to spend time with people who, uh, who might not be as mature as you. Why? So that you can help them. That's called ministry. It's, it's called helping people and, and, and training them. And, and you don't want to be the fourth part of the Trinity, as I said this morning, constantly pointing out everybody's sin. Don't treat them as an enemy, but as a brother you're concerned about. Here's Galatians 6. One. Brother and sisters, anyone caught in the sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch out for yourselves, or you also may be tempted. I've seen people come into the church who, who get up, who give up drugs and licentious living, get on fire for about a month, and they're like, Pastor, I, I just blew it, man. I said, it's all right. We're going to pray for you. You're going you're to receive a new level of God's grace. Repent. I'm going to repent and repenting. I'm like, what happened? Well, I just had to go get all my friends saved at the crack house. I'm like, dude, you just quit smoking crack three weeks ago. You know, maybe you shouldn't have gone there. Now there comes a time. <laughs> there comes a time, you know, when your when your when your mind is renewed and those stuff doesn't tempt you anymore. I mean, you know, I could charge any drug house, any bar. I, I could go anywhere the Lord tells me now. But back way twenty something years ago, bad idea. All right, what's God saying to us? Get a job, work, be diligent. Don't be lazy. Don't be idle. Work. Don't be idle. We had a young man in the church uh, who got corrected. This is a number of years ago. Who got corrected. He wasn't getting a job. He wasn't working. He couldn't find a job, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, then here's what you're going to do. You're going to show up every day right here, and you're going to volunteer. Because we got floors to mop, toilets to clean. There's endless amounts of work here. So you're going to come, and you serve your ears off. Every time there's service, I want you to come. I want you to learn. I want you to do this. Do you know that, that young man is working a high-powered job today, but he couldn't get a job before? I'm going to tell you, you learn this work for the Lord and, and look for God to supply your need. He will promote you. He will elevate you. He will help you. It's called sowing seed. You know, well, I, I just got to stay home playing Destiny too, Because, you know... Anyway, we have a responsibility to help others live right. And to self-correct. 
We've got to self-correct our own selves. Live by the word and model it to others. Can you say amen? All right, I'm sure I'm, you know, maybe I wasn't speaking to you tonight. Maybe it's for the person next to you. I don't know. All I know is it's very important not to be idle. It's important to be diligent. If you want to see dreams come about, you've got to work hard to get there. You've got to pray. We need God's grace, all of that. But you have to show up. I, I want to tell you my test. You know what my testimony is? I don't even, I'm not sure I had any gifts when I first came in the church. I had been so wrung out by the, the washing machine of the world. I was so hurting, so broken. The, the thing for me and my wife is we just kept coming, man. I just kept coming. I wouldn't miss anything. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was in the altar and then people correcting me. And I'm like, and then I would somehow learn to do what they told me according to the word of the Lord. And then I'd watch the fruit. Boof. I'm like, oh, that's kind of nice. I thought being irresponsible was freedom. Being irresponsible is bondage. Being responsible releases God's power and blessing if you just do it right. Come on, I preached a good word to you tonight. Did you get something? Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you now for your power and your presence to come upon us. Lord, we want to be excellent in everything that we do. We want to be diligent. Daniel had an excellent spirit. David played with such excellence that he was asked to come to minister to the king. Lord, all of us have giftings and talents, and we're asking you now to help us. Not just being lazy. If there's anything else in our lives that's jacked up, messed up, out of order, disorderly, as the New King James says, would you show us right now? Come on, all the kids, ask God to show you where, you're, where you need help. Come on, all the moms, all the dads, come on, ask God to show you where you might need help. If you're struggling with lust or greed or anger, you've got to deal with that thing and drive it out of your life. Please don't go around putting your finger in people's chest telling them to get a job. You know, whenever you get a dream or a vision, do you know, first of all, it's for you? First, for you. Before you go and give that to somebody else and say, the Lord spoke to me. Yeah, he's speaking to you first. You examine your life. Come on, ask God to help you. Lord, as we're fasting and we're praying and we're taking a deep look at the issues of our heart, we're asking that you would expose anything that's contrary to your plan and that you would reveal unto us places in our life that will hinder the free-flowing power of your Spirit. Places in our lives that would hinder what you want to do in our lives in fulfilling destiny and purpose. Reveal to us, oh God, anything that will hinder us from becoming the kind of church you want us to be. Lord, we repent for our shortcomings. Come on, ask God to forgive you. We repent for our shortcomings tonight. We receive the command of Scripture to not be idle, to not be lazy, but to be diligent. Help us not to waste our time. Help us to prioritize our day. Help us, Lord, to to keep first things first. Oh, God, we need your help. Come on, just pray in the Holy Ghost right now. I want to pray for all of the leaders that are here. 
Come all the way up front. Quickly come. Did you get something from the Lord? I hope you received it in the way, in the right way. I, I tried to deliver it as sweet as I possibly could to be gracious to you. I don't want to come with a mean spirit. It is frustrating sometimes in my own life when I see some of these things. I'm like, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. Leaders, come all the way up. Holy Spirit, come on, lift your hands to heaven. Holy Ghost, let your power, let your fire come right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, bring fresh anointing. Pastors, ministers, go lay hands on people. Go on.
principles of the Word of God, if you will submit to them and obey them and live that way, God will release His power on you and you will live a life that you've never seen lived in your family, that you've never, never even seen lived before it. Mankind, God has an amazing plan for you, but His plan comes about His way. If you love God, you'll obey His word. Learn to obey, learn to yield, and watch and see the great fruit of the kingdom of God explode. Watch a firm foundation be planted that cannot be shaken by wars or rumors of wars or any kind of upheaval. I'm going to build my life that way. I'm going to build like that before you, God. Come on, come on. or any propensity that would try to come down our family lines or even be imputed or imparted to us through relationships that are not as healthy as you would hope that they would be. And I pray a breaking off of these things, a breaking off, Lord, of that which is not of you and a forming of character in the hearts and the lives and leaders and the people of this church that we would be diligent, we would work hard, we would pray hard, and you would add the increase. I call forth excellence from this house in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. I command darkness, you have no right here. You have no right here. We command your powers broken by the name and the blood of Jesus. We break your hold tonight off of families, off of this house in Jesus' name. going off to university tonight she says dad you don't need to pray for me in front of everybody else I know I don't however 
God has raised you up to be a leader in your generation. Come on, come around. Come around my daughter, pastors. Come on, just minister to her. She's going to a Christian university, and honestly, I, they need a move of the Spirit of God in Evangel University. They, they really do. And even though there's people that go to Christian university who are not Christians, whatever, and that's okay. She's equipped, and we're thankful for that. But we just want to pray for her right now. Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit. Oh, you know what it's like. Minister Kimmy, go for it. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come upon Hannah. Lord, we pray a covering over her. We plead the blood of Jesus over her. Father God, we pray right now, Lord, as you have set your word upon her lips. Father, as you have given her the strength to walk straight, you have given her the strength to walk straight and uprightly. Father, we commission her tonight. We commission her by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you will make a way. You will give her favor, oh Lord God, on that campus. Lord, you will give her dreams and visions about what you want to do. That God, you're going to use her to stir things up. You're going to use her, oh God, to pour out your spirit. Lord, I pray right now, Father God, that you would partner her with the right people. Partner her with the right people. God, give her discernment. Give her discernment, Father God. Father, right now, we declare it. We declare it. And Father, we declare, Lord, all the finances that she needs. God, she's going to do this debt-free in Jesus' name. Father God, she's not going to be paying on student loans for year after year. But God, you're going to do miracles and signs and wonders through her. Father God, I thank you right now, Lord. Father, we cast off fear. We cast off anxiety. We cast off discouragement or apprehension. And we lose your peace. We lose your joy. We lose, God, your power in her life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So we bless her. Keep her safe, protect her. Keep away all the knuckleheads. Bring the white ones. Do what you do. Keep her safe and bring her back to us four months from now, God. For the glory of God.
like any other year. those affirming their faith say dear heavenly father thank you for sending your son jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart come into my life be my lord be my savior wash me cleanse me and make me new thank you for loving me thank you for hearing my prayer I declare, I will build my life. Uh, can you put the lyrics up again? Upon your love, it is a firm foundation. I declare, next verse. I put my trust in you, in you alone. And I declare, I will not be shaken. Put your hands together for Jesus. Holy Spirit, bless your people, touch your people. Thank you for coming tonight. We'll hope to see you Wednesday night. We love you. Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance towards you, be gracious to you, give you peace. Amen. God bless you.